Talking Books on News Talk 106 to 108. I'm too much um, willing to accept uh, the critical point of view, not enough enough on his side. Um, He said to me once, I know it's supposed to be warts and all, but at the moment it seems to be all warts and no all. Uh, (laughs) That was a jokey expression of something that I think he felt and feels more deeply. But then, you know, how could any of us ever accept a dispassionate biography of our our lives? Um, I think it must be very difficult for him. In John le Carre, the biographer Adam Sisman writes... To write a life of a writer who's still alive and writing is a sensitive task. Readers have the right to know what they are reading, and readers of biography of a living person are bound to be curious about the conditions under which it has been written. I have enjoyed his company, and it may be that my account of his life has been influenced by feelings of liking, gratitude and respect. For his wife Jane, and other members of his family, as well as for David. Though I acknowledge these warm feelings, I have endeavoured to reserve the splinter of ice in my heart that every writer needs. Readers will have to judge whether the splinter of ice has remained frozen. Adam also acknowledges, It was obvious to me from the outset that David had thought deeply about biography. One of my difficulties has been to keep up with him. All too often, he has anticipated my question and formulated his reply before it has even occurred to me. I have sometimes felt like a whaler in my skiff, being towed by a leviathan. Without doubt, David Cornwell, aka John le Carre, has been one of England's most successful and prolific novelists for over 50 years. Yet despite his reputation, he remains curiously ambiguous. So who is John le Carre? How obsessive is he about his literary reputation? And how did a traumatic childhood and experiences of abandonment, love and forgiveness shape his writing and creative vision. Hello, my name is Adam Sisman. I'm a writer. I specialise in biography. I've written, I've lost count of how many books now, five or six. I've written two biographies of, uh, of historians. I've most recently written a biography of John le Carre, the thriller writer. I've also written two literary biographies in the sense of biographies about literary relationships, um, one about uh, Boswell and Johnson, called Boswell's Presumptuous Task, and another about the friendship between Wordsworth and Coleridge, called The Friendship. Really well done on the book, Adam. It's a, it's a monumental read. It's incredibly enjoyable. It's very emotional in parts. It's very discreet in other parts. It really is quite something. Now, the journalist and novelist Robert Harris has praised your biography. He's praised it as almost a perfect biography. And I thought that was quite funny, but also very provocative. And it leads into a very interesting question, because really, when you look at biography, is there such a thing as a perfect or complete biography? You're assembling the contradictions of human life. You're trying to piece together all the ambiguities. How do you go about that? And can it ever be a perfect art? Well, I think that biography is a curious discipline because it's somewhere between art and science, or if you like, it's somewhere between 
um, fiction and non-fiction. So like, say, historical studies, it aspires to be accurate, uh, to tell the truth in that sense. But, but like um, portraiture, um, it aspires to give the essence of somebody, it aspires to kind of um, uh, artistic qualities. So some biographies, um, especially academic biographies, are much more like um, works of history. They're, they're essentially the collection of facts about a um, about uh, everything that's, that's known about a certain individual. Other biographies are much more impressionistic. They're much more um, like, say, um, a great painting um, or, or a less great painting. But, but they, 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 they try and, um, and, and, and give the, 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 the sense of somebody, not necessarily by an assembly of facts, but, but the, the, the real essential truth of that individual. But you're dealing with two human psychologies, if you will. You're dealing with yourself, your own prejudices, what interests you and also whether whether how discreet you are as an individual or not and then you're dealing with your subject so that's a very tricky balancing act to play it is uh, a tricky balancing act but it's of course a very enjoyable and fascinating one i mean i think that for me biography is also a humane process in the sense that it really only works if you recognise something of yourself in it, if you, as, as it were, put something of yourself into it. So, so for me, I can never really understand somebody else unless I, I find some connection with them, uh, and I can only really enjoy writing about them. Um, it's, it's curious that there's a, there's a relationship here with my subject, John le Carre. I mean, his characters all have something of himself in them. He says he can't really create a character that doesn't have something of him that he, he, he associates with. So he puts a little bit of himself into everyone, the, the villains as well as the good guys. Did you feel you had anything to lose by writing this biography? I know that's a kind of an odd sort of a question, but presumably you admired him. He was uh, He's a huge figure in the literary world and you're invested in lots of different ways. So I'm wondering how difficult that was. Well, first of all, it's very difficult to write a biography of a living person. Uh, there are all sorts of issues that arise there which don't arise with the safely dead. Although I've written books about somebody that I've known, I've, um, that was after his death, I've never written a book before about a living person. And, and in, in the case of John le Carre, he's not just um, any old living person, but somebody who's known to be sensitive, um, secretive, and quite prickly. So yes, um, the, um, uh, I, it could easily have gone wrong. It was a um, I was entering a kind of um, nest of thorns, you might say. It could easily have all blown up in my face. But um, I, I suppose, yes, it, in some ways it was a bit like um, uh, dealing with an unexploded bomb. <laughs> you kind of uh, um, you felt that it might um, blow up at any moment. Who is John le Carre? Like, how did you capture him? Because he's a complex character. He, he strikes me as very unpredictable in ways and highly emotional. So well, how did you tap things- into all of that? All those things are completely true. I mean, in a strict sense, of course, there is no such person as John le Carre because it's a pseudonym. It's a mask, if you like, a a cover identity that he's adopted to to hide behind. His real name is David Cornwall. And there is a a subtle, almost philosophical difference between David Cornwall and John le Carre. But um, in terms of, um, in, in more everyday terms. He's confusing because he appears to be something that he's not. When you meet him, his public face is of somebody very in command of himself, very um, sophisticated. He's very witty, uh, tells very good stories. He's tremendous company. 
And it was um, therefore a shock to me to discover that underneath this facade um, is somebody who's very emotional, is, is, is full of churning uh, unresolved emotions, even now that he's in his 80s. From reading through the biography, and I absolutely loved the biography, it strikes me as somebody who, who carries a lot of shame. Well, I mean, we should explain to, to listeners that uh, his father was a world-class con man, you might say, on an incredible scale, although he, it seems like he never did an honest day's work in his life, and that's almost literally true. But at, at one stage, he owned an empire that uh, owned um, more than 4,000 houses here in the UK. Why the, the shame comes in, really, um, because he... Well, for, for several different reasons, but the, John Mackay was very ashamed of his father because his father was a bad man. He did terrible things. He, he robbed old ladies of their savings. He, he conned all sorts of um, vulnerable uh, people um, uh, and, um, in many ways, um, ruined lives. So, so there's that aspect of shame. There are other aspects, too. One is that his mother walked out when he was only five years old and he never saw her again. So he kind of... He was a very awkward child, a child with a con man father and a, a missing mother and a, a series of substitute mothers who came and went. And there was another, yet a further aspect of shame in his childhood, which was that he, although he, he went to public school and then to Oxford and appeared to be a member of the English upper class,